Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of his word. In keeping with your emphasis at Tikvat Yisrael on uh, gospeling, I thought I would revisit with you a story from the Torah that you've recently covered when when we were in Parshat Yitro. How do people come to know the true and living God? That's the question we want to look at today. And uh, so let's first, let's just summarize portion uh, of uh, Parshat Yitro, the opening story. Now, Jethro, the priest of Midian and Moses' father-in-law, heard about everything that God had done for Moses and his people, Israel, and how Adonai had brought Israel out of Egypt. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken in Moses' wife Zipporah after he had sent her away with her two sons. One was named Gershom because he said, I have been an outsider in a foreign land. And the other one was named Eliezer because he said, for my father's God is my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. So Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons and his wife, that is, Moses' sons and Moses' wife, to Moses into the wilderness where he was encamped at the mountain of God. He had told Moses, I, Jethro, your father-in-law, am coming to you, along with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, then bowed down and kissed him. They asked each other about their welfare and went into the tent. Moses told his father-in-law all that Adonai had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, as well as all the travail that had come upon them along the way, and how Adonai delivered them. Jethro rejoiced for all the goodness that Adonai had shown to Israel. Since he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians, Jethro said, Blessed be Adonai, who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that Adonai is greater than all gods, since they had acted arrogantly against them. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, presented a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. Aaron also came along with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, father-in-law, before God. So, we have got a job to do. We see in this picture, we see Yeshua calling uh, Peter, uh, Kepha, and Andrew, his brother. And he said to them, what? He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And it's the intentionality of our Messiah to make us fishers of men and of women as well. So, Today, by looking at the story of Jethro, 
we're going to find some elements that outline this whole process of how people come to follow the living God of Israel through faith in Yeshua, our Messiah. The first thing that's needed is a, a prior relationship of mutual regard. Moses and Jethro had a prior relationship for 40 years. Moses had been tending the sheep of his father-in-law, Jethro, for 40 years. That's a long time. They had a prior relationship. And similarly, when we share our Yeshua faith with people, we should have a prior relationship with them. Uh, you just don't buttonhole a stranger on the street and let them have it. It doesn't work that way. Uh, they were father-in-law and son-in-law. They, uh, they, they were intimately, intimately related to each other. Moses was married to Jethro's daughter, and Moses' sons were Jethro's grandchildren. So there's a prior relationship of mutual regard. That's what we need if we're going to have a bridge to share Yeshua faith with people, to do gospeling with them. We need to build a prior relationship of mutual regard. Now, I don't think it's going to take 40 years to do it, although in some cases you may. That can be done uh, in a much more brief span of time, but we need to work on relationship building. Secondly, people need to hear of God's saving acts. Now, Jethro heard that that God, the God of Israel, was doing something for Israel in Egypt. Because remember, Moses sent Zipporah back to be with her father uh, with his two sons because things got pretty hot in Egypt. And I'm not talking about the temperature. I'm talking about all the furor with the ten plagues. So uh, Yitro had heard stories of God's saving acts from Zipporah. He may have heard it also from his grandchildren although I don't know exactly how old they were at this time, but he heard. He also heard from people uh, in the area, the caravans that were coming through the area, they reported what happened in Egypt. So, so Jethro knew. And then finally, in our story today, when Jethro comes to meet, Pharaoh, to meet Moshe at the Mount of God with his grandchildren and with Zipporah, Moses tells him about the works of God. He gives him the whole, the whole shebang. So the second way in which we share our Yeshua faith with people is tell them our stories. Don't just take them to the Bible as much as I love the Bible and have been reading it for almost 60 years. Tell them your story. Tell them the story of God's mighty acts in your life. God's mighty acts in the lives of people you know. Don't cram it down their throats, but look for occasions to share your story. That's just, people need to hear of God's saving acts. Thirdly, people who come to Yeshua faith, people who come into relationship with the living God, come to a point where they articulate a choice for and against. Yitro is a priest of Midian. He's a professional religious guy of another religion. But after hearing all these stories, he says, now I know. Now I know that there is no God greater than the God of Israel. 
he makes a choice where he chooses the God of Israel against other options. That's going to happen with people that you share Yeshua faith with. There'll come a point where they say, now I know. I remember there used to be a man in my congregation in Harry, Harry and Joyce. Both of them uh, uh, were engineering types. She was a believer. Harry was a Jewish guy who was not a believer. And he decided he was going to read the Bible in order to find out what was wrong with it. And he told me the story himself. He said about halfway through reading the Bible, he said, he came to the point where he realized, I still have questions, but now I believe that my questions will be answered by this book. The answer is in there somewhere. He came to a point where he said, now I know. Now I know that there's something here that I have to deal with. We'll see more about that in a minute. What happens with Jethro next is he performs a bonding ritual. He offers a sacrifice. That offering of the sacrifice is his way of declaring, now the God of Israel is my God. He offers a sacrifice. So the question is, what are the bonding rituals for Yeshua faith? Well, when I came to Yeshua faith, we required people to close their eyes <laughs> and bow your heads and invite Yeshua into your heart. Now, I don't want to disappoint any of you, but that's not in the Bible. But it was the metaphor that we used. That's what you had to do, this bonding ritual, to indicate that you are coming to Yeshua faith. I have another story to tell you. I knew a fantastic lady in San Francisco when I lived there. Her name was Hazel Stone. Hazel, uh, when I knew her, was in her 70s, and I knew her into her 80s. And she was the most effective personal evangelist I've ever known. She lived in the Tenderloin District, which was a, a somewhat seedy section of town, right near Union Square, which was a very chic section of town. She lived in a hotel there. And uh, she every week she'd come to our Bible study, and she'd always had stories about her sharing of faith. One night she told us a story. She said, honey, she called you honey. She said, I was up in my room. I was getting ready for bed. And the Lord told me to go downstairs to Lefty O'Doul's. Lefty O'Doul's was a, a bar. So uh, um, so she uh, she got dressed. She went downstairs. I think it was, and at any rate, she sat down at the table. Within a couple of minutes, a prostitute sat down at the table with her. And within a few minutes, Hazel had led this woman to faith in Yeshua. Uh, Hazel was fantastic. She told me how she came to Yeshua faith. Her mother was a Jewish Pentecostal, and Hazel thought her mother was nuts, and she wanted nothing to do with it. And when Hazel was about 40 years old, she went to this church, Glad Tidings Tabernacle, to get her mother and bring her home, because her mother was in that church every time the doors were open. And she told me the story. She said, honey, uh, that night I went to I went to the church to pick up my mother. She says, and don't ask me how, she said, but the Lord got me. And uh, she was living proof that the Lord really got her. Well, then she came home that night and she had a sister. And her sister said to her, and she told her sister that she had come to faith. And her sister said, 
did you walk forward at a meeting? She said, no, I didn't walk forward at a meeting. Her sister said, well, then you're not saved. Because for the sister, this metaphor was absolutely essential. If you didn't walk forward, it didn't happen. So we have to get over these kinds of things. Yitro had a bonding ritual, offering of a sacrifice. The bonding ritual for, for Yeshua faith, the real serious bonding ritual, you know, is, uh, is, is, is tefillah, is a, a tefillah mishichenu, it's, it's, it's uh, immersion. At any rate, that is also a ritual of welcome into the community. We find that after Yitro offers his sacrifice, he then has a meal with Moshe, with Aaron, with the elders of Israel. They're not eating because they're hungry. They're eating because the elders of Israel and Moses and Aaron are receiving Yitro as a member of the family. So this is another aspect of how people come to Yeshua faith. There needs to be a ritual whereby they, they uh, become part of the community. On their part, they are joining the community and its authority structure. On the other part, the community is accepting them. That needs to happen. So what is the ritual of welcoming Yeshua believers into the community? Often it is, uh, it is uh, tvilah, it is immersion. So after that, the person who has come to faith in the living God begins to actively participate in community concerns. We read in Exodus that the very next day, Moses is out there, and you see a picture of it here. Moses is out there judging all the people, and he's surrounded by a crowd. And his father-in-law, who's been a believer one day, one day, his father-in-law says to him, excuse me, Moish, what are you doing? Moses says, well, you know, the people come to me. they got all kinds of problems. They come to me, and I answer their problems. And his father-in-law says to him, you know, uh, I don't want my daughter to become a, a, a widow uh, uh, real quickly. So do, do, do yourself a favor. you got to break things down and delegate things out and have groups of tens and fifties and hundreds and thousands and have these other people judged by this network of judges. And then the really tough cases come to you. And Moshe says, you're right. So another evidence and means of people being integrated into the community of faith is that they begin to take responsibility, even the very next day. So what does this mean for me? What does it mean for you as we uh, share Yeshua faith with people? Well, Yitro went through four encounters. I wanna talk about those for a minute because these are the encounters that every one of your friends who you share Yeshua faith with, who you do gospeling with, they'll go through these same encounters. The first encounter is a truth encounter. People come to a point, like my friend Harry did, where they say, okay, I think it's true. And if you think of your own life, when you came to Yeshua faith, there was a point when you turned a corner and when you said, yeah, I think it's all true. I may not understand it all, but I think it's true. I trust it's true. Secondly, there's a power encounter 
where a person comes to rely on God's power instead of any other spiritual power. I remember I knew a, a woman, this is going back, going back uh, over 50 years ago. She had come to Yeshua Faith, a Jewish woman from the Midwest, and she had been an astrologer and was quite into it. She was a young woman in her 20s at the time, and she came to Yeshua Faith, and then she wanted to throw out her astrology books, of which she had quite a few, but she she couldn't bring she couldn't bring herself to throw out the books. Uh, there was a, a force, there was a, a resistance. And she had to call the elders of the community to come and help her throw these books out because she wanted to rely only on the power of the divine presence of the Holy Spirit. And she made a choice for God's power and to, to reject other forms of spiritual power. So maybe you were doing Reiki or something before you, before you got involved in Yeshua faith or whatever, but you need to make a choice. You need to recognize that you choose the power of the living God and no other spiritual options. So that's the second encounter that Yitro went through, a power encounter. The third encounter one goes through is an allegiance counter encounter because you can believe that this is true. But if you don't obey Yeshua, if you don't obey the commandments of God, then there's something wrong. Yeshua says in Matthew chapter 7, he says, many men have come to me in that day and they'll say, Lord, 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 notice they know who he is. Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out many demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? And Yeshua will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you, you who work uh, iniquity. You, you, you knew and you, you even did the stuff because the Holy Spirit loves to honor the name of Yeshua. So you even, you did the works, mighty works, by invoking my name. The Holy Spirit loves to glorify the name of Yeshua. So you did mighty works in my name, but frankly, I never knew you because they had not gone through this allegiance encounter. That's the third encounter that people come through. Truth, power, allegiance, and finally, communal encounter, where people choose to be counted among those people. For us as Jews, there's stigma attached to being one of Jesus's people, to being part of a congregation of people who believe in Yeshua, uh, I know very well, and some of you know very well, there's a stigma. And sometimes we think, well, I'll just come to Yeshua faith. I go through the truth encounter, go through the power encounter. I go through the allegiance encounter, but I'm just going to keep my faith kind of quiet, and I don't want to be known as one of them. No, it doesn't work that way. Jethro became known as one of them. He had that meal with the elders and with, with Aaron and with Moses, and he became part of the community. That's the fourth encounter. So final pointers. I want to encourage you. I love gospeling. I mean, God called me to start doing this when I was in my early 20s. I didn't expect, I was a professional musician. I didn't expect to be doing what I've been doing for the last 50 years. Gospeling. It's, 
It's sharing a life and your stories, not just a message. It's not giving people a, a, a you know, it's not being a human bumper sticker. It's not giving people a pitch. It is sharing a life. Secondly, it's always God who does the heavy lifting. You may feel inadequate. Uh, if you do, fine. Moses was certainly one of the most inadequate guys around. He had fled Egypt as a, as a uh, political fugitive, and he had spent 40 years doing idiot's work. Tending sheep was the work of children and senile old men. And he had spent 40 years tending somebody else's sheep. Moses was a complete failure when he met God at Mount Sinai. This is why, one of the reasons why Moses, when God calls him, Moses gives five excuses. Look, he finally says, look, just call somebody else. Uh, uh, and, and, but it's always God who does the heavy lifting. I don't care how inadequate you feel. It makes no difference. It's, the adequacy is not of you. The adequacy is of God. Third, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. That's what Paul teaches in 2 Corinthians. Our weakness is the arena where God's strength is manifest. God loves to manifest his strength in our weakness. Why is that? It's because when things happen, nobody will be confused. Oh, look what Stuart did. Look what David did. Oh, no. Because people know that Stuart and David are not up to this. If you pray for somebody and they get healed and you're the shlemiel of the congregation, everybody knows it's not you. And that's good because then God gets the glory. So his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Fourthly, as I said before, the Holy Spirit loves to glorify the Father through glorifying Messiah. If you and I'm, I'm going to say this again in this short list. I want to encourage you, whenever you're talking to somebody and they complain about physical ailments, physical aches and pains, they complain about situations in their lives, they talk about someone else in their family who was sick or whatever, always look for an opportunity to just briefly pray for them. Uh, I have been surprised by God. <laughs> In these, uh, 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 I'll tell you one story. I knew a lady, she was not a believer. She had a, a truckload of moxie. She was just, uh, nothing could stop her. At the time I knew her, she was uh, in the process of divorce from her husband who lived um, lived down near San Diego. She lived in, in Los Angeles. Uh, she said her children were not interested in her. Her husband was not interested in her. She was going through chemotherapy and didn't even bother telling them. I think she did chemo two or three times a week. She didn't bother telling anybody. She worked as a phlebotomist. She went around to various people's houses uh, taking blood from them as, as a medical professional for their, their medical upkeep. And nothing could stop her. The Northridge earthquake came and her Mercedes station wagon was swallowed up by the earthquake. That didn't stop her. She was raped on her rounds. That didn't stop her. 
But this particular day, I met her when she had really been stopped. I visited her at her home. She was lying on a couch and she was immobilized. She had an artificial shoulder joint and she was in agony. She was in so much pain, she could not move. And I said to her, let's call her Jane. That's not her name. I said, Jane, do you mind if I pray for you? She said, no, I don't mind. So I reached out and I touched her very gingerly, the lightest possible touch you could, because she, you couldn't touch that shoulder. It was, it was a, a cyclone of pain. I touched it as lightly as could be possibly touched. And I simply prayed, God, please uh, take away Jane's pain so that she might know that you love her and that Yeshua is the Messiah. That's it. So we kept talking. And about two or three minutes later, she goes like this. She rotates her shoulder and she says, hey, she, the pain was gone. Now, did I do that? No. The Holy Spirit loves to glorify the Father through glorifying the Messiah. So look for every opportunity to be a channel of that. Pray for the people about whom you are concerned. When I came to Yeshua faith, the person who shared Yeshua faith with me had done it about six or seven months earlier. I had walked her all the way home from Manhattan School of Music on 105th Street down to the about 79th Street where she lived at the YWCA, about 25 blocks. And she reminded me years later that she had tried to share her faith with me at that time. I didn't remember the conversation. It was like sowing seed on granite, nada. But she was praying for me, and some friends of hers were praying for me. And the following September, late September, early October, she invited me to a Bible study in the cafeteria Manhattan School of Music. And seven weeks later, I was a believer. Why? Because it was time. She prayed, and God, God was pleased to do his thing. So pray for the people. Have others pray for the people with whom you're concerned. Always welcome opportunities to pray for the people whom, to whom you are gospeling. By that I mean when you're with them, always welcome the opportunity to pray for them. You don't have to do it in King James English. You don't even have to close your eyes. You don't have to sound glorious. Be, be real. Be naturally supernatural. But believe that God loves to use a shlomil like you and like me to be a channel of his glorification of himself through glorifying Yeshua. Finally, keep your heart and the top of your head open to the whispers of his spirit. When I worked with Jews for Jesus, uh, I didn't have any room for any of this stuff. Uh, uh, it wouldn't have occurred to me to really pray for sick people and believe that God might heal them. It was just not part of my paradigm. Uh, at one time I was working uh, as music director and I was also the go-to guy in the headquarters building. When people came in off the street, they would come to see me and I would talk to them. So one time a woman came in, her name was Wendy. Wendy was in her thirties, very well dressed. Uh, and she said she had a Jewish boyfriend. She wanted to know 
if she brought him in, if someone would talk to him. So I said, I'll talk to him. So a few days later, uh, maybe a week later, uh, she comes in, she brings her boyfriend. They sit down on the other side of this banquet table from me. I'm, I'm on one side of the table, they're on the other side of the table. And shortly into the conversation, I say to them, is one of you married to somebody else? What a question that is. That's not the kind of question I normally ask. But I had a holy, what we called at that time a holy hunch. Nowadays, people might call it a, a word of knowledge. I had a holy hunch. Is one of you married to someone else? Yes, yeah, she was. She was married to a doctor, and this was her boyfriend. Now, how did I know that? Uh, God shows you such things. When I say keep the top of your head open, uh, always when you're talking to people, always be available for the whispers of the Spirit, where somehow you get a holy hunch. Uh, uh, you know, John Wimber, who I had a lot of respect for, called that like a half a whisper. He called it a whiss. And you'll get, you'll get holy hunches sometimes that are very spiritually catalytic. This is not like clairvoyance and fortune-telling. This is getting uh, intuitions and insights into people that become a bridge for them closing the spiritual deal. So that's my final pointers to you on this good day. We have a job to do. We are supposed to be fishers of men and of women. May God help you. May God help me. May God help us as we share. I want you to know it's the greatest thing uh, since sliced bread. Just go out and do it. Uh, you never know how God's going to surprise you and the people you know. So thank you for your time. Blessings.